0: I want to apologize to Vikings Nation. Sometimes the NFL offseason and the preseason and training camp, all these things that seem so inconsequential, lead me to be a little snarky. So today, a non-snark show. We're actually Whoa. gonna talk about the fact that we got to watch a football game and some interesting stuff happened. So uh so it's gonna be a different kind of show. I'm gonna play it straight. You know, John Krasinski usually plays it straight, so we're actually gonna talk. Football here on the Viking Update Show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. We recommend subscribing at your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. And thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. All right, John. First impression of the first game of the so-called Kevin O'Connell era.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to draw uh, super big sweeping generalizations or impressions when you don't have Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Harrison Smith, Zadarius Smith, Didier Hudder, Eric Hendricks, all these guys. Um, I think that if if we could generalize one thing, it does appear that the offense they are running, even though they had a lot of success running the ball against the raiders especially in the second half you can see a little bit more imagination a little bit more complexity a little bit more um you know kind of of the dynamic nature of things and and maybe for you know the, the clearest sign yet i believe that the vikings are not going to sort of begrudgingly use their offense to win games like they did under Mike Zimmer, but that they are going to go and try and be aggressive, go down the field, uh, get guys in different spots all over the field, and create matchup mismatches and and try and win that way. So I do think like that you could see some of the the outlines of that with Kellen Mond and uh, with the with Ty Chandler and with um, you know with all of their running backs. I mean, I think that was in in Wangwu and and all of that, and you can see okay, there there's something here. But um I just think overall that that was one thing that I looked at. We can obviously go over as this as this podcast goes along on who looked good and who didn't. But that was one takeaway I had just kind of watching this offense against another team for the first time in the Kevin O'Connell era.
0: Yeah, my first takeaway, and by the way, thanks to our sponsors, Starbank, Starbank.net, TSR Injury Law and Minnesota Propane. Um My takeaway was Kellen Mond obviously missed a lot of open receivers on some big plays early in his uh, outing. And in the second half, I felt like he started finding those guys. I felt like we saw a little bit of progress within the game. Okay, all the disclaimers apply. You're playing against by the time you get to the second half of a preseason game, you're playing against some people who are not going to be in the NFL. You're playing against teams that aren't scheming for you. You just run around making plays. But I thought we saw at least a little bit of in-game improvement from Mond, or am I overstating that?
1: No, I, I think you're right about that, Jim. And and I'll even say, um, you know, I think in the first half he had one where he threw high to Amir Smith Marset on the sideline, and it should have been caught and it wasn't. So there, there were a couple of times where maybe he wasn't right on the money with some of his throws, but he threw catchable balls that, that didn't work out. Now, there were also times where, uh, they're, they're in the red zone and he has three wide open receivers and misses all of them. They, in what could have been a touchdown, um, things of that nature. But then as you saw in the second half, he started to connect a little bit more, hit Albert Wilson for the touchdowns and. And and made some throws. I think that there was two things that I that I took away from Kellen Mond's uh, performance. One is, yeah, I, I think he got better as the as the game went on. And I think that as much of it had to do with just a comfort level in the offense, you know, relative to the talent that he was going against. Sure, it does help facing fourth and fifth stringers or whoever it is, but he just seemed a little bit more comfortable as the game went on. Two, it, the offense just in general seemed to look better overall with Mond at quarterback versus Sean Mannion. Um, I thought that Mannion did not look good at all in terms of the. There was a lot more checkdowns, quick getting the ball, get getting rid of the ball quickly. Um, very vanilla, very uh, very underwhelming, I would say, and. And so when you look at sort of the race between the two of them for the backup quarterback or maybe trying to determine if the backup quarterback is even on this roster at all, I think that at least Kellen Mond showed some signs that um, you could think about going forward with him as the backup versus Sean Mannion didn't really, I don't think, bring a whole lot to the table at all. Mond at least went down the field he was a little more aggressive his arm clearly is stronger and he can move around in the pocket and extend plays and and maybe that wasn't always by design and maybe he should have gotten rid of it sooner some of the, some of the times but he did show some of that athleticism some of that ability to to extend those plays and so for all of those reasons i think that it's pretty clear to me that if they do go with a backup from this stable of quarterbacks that Mond has the clear edge right now uh, over Mannion, just because there is more juice to him in every facet of the game, even if he leaves a lot to be desired still for accuracy, for decision-making for, for a lot of those things.
0: Go to talknorth.com, see all of our shows, the archives of all our shows, including Jeff diamonds, Vikings and NFL insider, our other NFL show on the network. We've had a lot of shows, the network Uh, we have, uh, the Go Gopher podcast now with Mike Grimm, we have On the Bench, we have the Pros Box with Nate Prosser, uh, we have Boyce Olsen, Dave Lee, all the outdoor content, plus the you know our our heavy hitters like John uh, who make up the best sports lineup in town. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod, see all the shows as they are released. I think it would be a terrible thing for this franchise if Mannion ends up being the backup quarterback. That's the way I'd put it, because that would mean that Mond was a wasted draft pick who couldn't even beat out Sean Mannion? And it means that that if they need a backup quarterback, they usually haven't. Cousins has been incredibly durable. If they need a backup quarterback, they're just having somebody go in there to take snaps. Mannion is not good, right? And and look, it's one thing if Mannion came
1: into camp and was really sharp and um and was executing at a high level. If he was. Josh McCown or, you know, pick your other journeyman, uh veteran quarterback who, case maybe Keenum. Does, yeah, case Keenum, who doesn't maybe necessarily have the huge arm or doesn't have this or doesn't have that, but just knows how to move an offense and knows how to lead a group and operate and, and make those plays. But we just haven't seen Mannion be capable of doing any of that. And so right now it does look like, Uh, Sean Mannion is is just kind of a guy there and and just holding down the Ford and just there as a camp arm because I just don't see a whole lot of what he's bringing to the table and we have talked ad nauseum and the Vikings have mentioned too about what he brings to Kirk Cousins in the room and and the asset that he is the way that he sees the game and that's fine and that may all be very true but If you really feel that strongly about him, make him an assistant quarterback coach or or something like that. But I just don't see enough reason, and I haven't seen enough reason, frankly, for more than a year that he would be capable of stepping in and and, and moving this offense at – you know, in week seven, if Kirk Cousins gets COVID again, or if he gets injured or or whatever it is and, and can hold down the fort. I don't know that Mond is capable of that yet either, but I do know that he has tools, physical tools uh, that Sean Mannion does not have right now. And in the absence of a clear, you know, uh, front runner, Uh, quarterback you pick the one with the best tools that you can hopefully mold and shape and again maybe maybe they will end up determining that hey neither one of these guys can do it and and go out and find someone else who hits the waiver wire but uh, or or is cut but uh but right now I just I cannot see a scenario where you feel at all confident going into a season with Sean Mannion as the guy who would step in should Kirk Cousins not be available
0: I'm also going to call BS on the Kirk Cousins needs somebody to make him comfortable thing. Mean, this is not a young quarterback. He's not a developing quarterback. He's a veteran with all kinds of experience, all kinds of experience in a bunch of different offenses. He plays now for a head coach who was a quarterback uh, for, I think, a talented offensive coach in Wes Phillips. He has a quarterback's coach. Do you really need a fourth or fifth guy to sit there and tell you something that you probably already know already? I just I just don't see it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. And I think you hit on it a little bit later in your point of maybe he did need that under the old regime because you had a head coach who didn't like him at all. You had an offense that was not exactly, you know, explosive um, that, you know, that was trying to be. and, And I would say that Kirk Cousins was getting mixed messages from his head coach. One day it was cut it loose. The next day it was don't don't lose a game for us type of an approach and so maybe he needed more voices in his head I mean he had Clint Kubiak uh, who was relatively inexperienced um, as a uh, as a play caller certainly and as just a a head offensive mind Stefanski was inexperienced but I think has proven to be a very good voice in that locker room uh, or for 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 any team to lead a team and so that was a little bit different but um but this one you have Kevin O'Connell who has been in that position who knows what to give his quarterback and and you have Wes Phillips who has now a resume built from his time with the Rams who has a seems like a very good approach and so it is just a more nurturing environment in there for any quarterback including Kirk Cousins and so uh, i think the need or the necessity for Someone like that, that where as Kirk would may have looked at getting so many different messages or 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 things um, from the older team, and and maybe he needed someone to pull aside and say, "Hey, am I seeing this right? You know, is this what you think they're saying?" I think everything is a lot clearer now for him and a lot more productive. Um, for him from just an overall exchange of ideas, philosophies, teaching, type of a scenario with this with these new guys. And so it probably means that you don't you don't need an assistant quarterback coach who is wearing a jersey uh, on Sundays that he has enough support around him as is.
0: I want to talk about some other skill position players. these skill position players, are a little fun ones to talk about. Uh, first, do want to let you know. The big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about Star Bank. Star Bank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at Star Bank, and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be—a throwback to the good days. Mobile app, check. Convenient services, you got it. Check out Star Bank for yourself for deposits and lending solutions. Work with a local community bank that cares. Starbank.net. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Uh, thanks also to our longtime sponsors, also sponsors of the John Krasinski Show, which is our Timberwolves and NBA show. Uh, TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. They will not charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. Go to TSR and InjuryLaw.com and check them out. Uh, but just take our word for them. That you want ethical uh, dynamic representation if you're injured. We hope you don't have to make that call, but if you do, you do have to make the call, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, pretty obvious that a strength of this team will be running back depth. I don't know how important that is, but they do have it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I would argue, Jim, that it is important because Dalvin Cook, as dynamic as he is and as productive as he's been, does get hurt. Like, we've seen that happen. And, and so... um so when you look at it's it's the almost the exact opposite right now of the quarterback situation where okay can Mon do it can Mannion do it they've got a lot of kind of question marks surrounding them in different areas of their games and man if Cousins goes down um, this this offense is in real trouble because of the shortcomings so far that we've seen from the backups there. I would say that from what we have seen from the running backs, from Ty Chandler, from Kenny and Wong Wu, you have you, Madison, you have all these other, you, you have a real stable of guys. Um, Dalvin cook obviously is the best of the bunch and, and is one of the best running backs in the league. But if he were to miss a game or games, you feel like, there is enough here to step in and hold down that fort, and so with a with a position as physical as that is, with a running back a starter who has dealt with injuries in the past, I think having depth there is a big big plus. That also, Jim, a, a kind of a sneaky little part of that depth is it gives you special teams jolts as well. Mm-hmm. Like you can feel good about throwing Wang Wu back uh, for kick returns. And in and not being as nervous about an injury happening there because you have Ty Chandler because you have all these other uh, fresh legs that will be available should one of your one of your guys get hurt and so they just have a lot of versatility that way. Uh, They have a couple of different sort of body types that they can throw at a defense and and keep them off guard and so I think that is one of the areas that I actually feel really strongly about for this team heading into the regular season is that depth there and being able to, you know, also maybe just lighten Dalvin Del- cook's load. And, and so maybe he does, he, he's not as uh, exposed to potential injury. If he gets a little bit less work and you can sprinkle in those other guys. So all in all, I really, really like the way their running back stable looks right now and what that could mean for them going into the regular season.
0: I also think if you're trying to save a little wear and tear on Dalvin Cook, you know, Dalvin Cook, his value is that he can do everything and he does everything well. But if you're trying to save any wear and tear on him, I can see Wong Wu being a nice third down back. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: what I I do want to see both Wong Wu and Chandler um, kind of in the passing game a little bit more. Let's just see how they handle the receptions. They they both looked very, very good in the running game yesterday, but, uh, but let's just see them. I want to just see them in space, catching the ball, see how comfortable they look. But, uh, you know, Wong was explosive, man. Um, he really can reach top speed quickly and get going um, a little bit more of a long strider. And, and so it's a little deceptive, but but, man, I, I just like the way that he looks. And so, uh, yeah, mix him in on third downs. Um, you know, you can you can use them in all sorts of different packages. And so I just think that they have some versatility and depth there that's as good as they've had at that position in quite a while. And, you know, it is unfortunate because we've had this, this conversation before about – sort of the revolving door at the at running back and there's such churn there and you you know it's gotten to the point obviously where teams are not spending first round picks on running backs anymore most likely and they're usually not spending a ton of money on running backs to keep them they just keep them coming in now they've given Dalvin Cook a lot of money and they they've they spent um some so they've they've invested in him heavily so do everything you can to keep that investment healthy and keep him going. And I think that's what they've done here with this group.
0: The receiving group is really interesting. Obviously, you have three locked in, Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne. That's a very good threesome. Smith-Marset has the talent to be the fourth receiver and to step in when one of those guys is hurt. Do you trust him? Not quite yet.
1: I mean, he's certainly had some moments, but there's still – maybe some unreliability to his game that we have seen so far. I do like that. He's getting a lot of reps. Um, You know, he got a lot of reps against the Raiders. I hope that that continues against the Niners this week and into the preseason more, because I do think that he has a lot of the physical tools, but he seems a little raw. Like you just need to get him out there in these situations and maybe he'll show real improvement with, um, you know, with more work there in terms of route running, in terms of catching the ball, you know, like I, I kind of indicated earlier uh, there's a throw in the first half that Mon made that was not on target. Um, that was not an easy catch, but Smith-Marset got himself in position where he should have been able to haul that in and he didn't. And so there are those plays, but then there are other times where he looks really good and you can see the wiggle that he has. And you can see some of the, um, just some of the explosiveness that he has. And so I I think that he should stay on this roster and I want to see more of him going forward because I think there's a lot to like there. He just needs a lot more work and a lot more reps. I thought the other guy, Jim, that I liked was Tristan Jack Jackson. Like he looked, he looked like he was comfortable In the spots that they put him in in the first half against some of the Raiders better defenders. And he got a little separation. He has a good good size to him, made good, you know, the routine catches look routine and just kept moving the sticks. And so you know, then Wilson caught a couple of touchdowns. They have some interesting guys there, but Smith Marset, I think, is at the top of that list. But I didn't know much about Jackson really before watching him in this game. And he kind of stood out as a guy that I just at least want to see some more because I thought he had some really good moments.
0: Yeah, I think Smith Marset is too talented to not have him on the roster. They that would give you four receivers. They might carry as many as six. So it'll be really interesting. You got Albert Wilson, the veteran. You have BC Johnson, who's I think a reliable young guy. Jackson's really intriguing, and Chisina is kind of a good special teamer. I have no idea which way they're going with that.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be it will be interesting. Um, Yeah, like I think you know the the previous regime regime was very high on Chisina as a special teams guy and an impact guy that way. Maybe that would be enough to break a tie here. What we don't know is um, how does this team or how does this regime, how does Kevin O'Connell, how does his staff kind of really slot in special teams in terms of prioritizing who makes it and who doesn't. Um, you, because if, if, if special teams is a big factor for those end of the roster spots, which generally they, it it usually is because you want to be able to get guys on the field, maybe that will be a little bit of an edge for Chisina. Um, I don't know though, like if he certainly isn't the Steve Tasker level, um, special teams, ace kind of guy that would say, okay, if he doesn't really bring a whole lot offensively, um, to the equation, do we still got to keep him anyway? Just because he's such a dynamic special teams player, maybe I'm wrong on that. But, um, but I would I, I would lean more with that group. Like, who are the guys who you think can develop into reliable chain moving receivers for you? Um, because that's just going to be a very valuable thing for what this offense is going to do and how many targets that kirk cousins is going to have on a play-by-play basis
0: the other guy i'm really intrigued by and i listen i try really hard to not get overly excited about camp or preseason games if they can fool you but zach davidson's a really interesting guy tall yeah yeah athletic fast and i think he's got real talent
1: yeah i think so too and i mean no one at camp has hidden their intrigue about Zach Davidson. I think that's been a, a a regular talker throughout training camp. Is is how kind of tantalized they are by what he can bring to the table. I think I I want to see more from him um, to just kind of judge for myself, I guess, a little bit in terms of you know so far against you know against the Raiders. He kind of was more of a dump-off target. He kind of was more of a just sit in the flats and 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 make a catch and rumble forward a little bit. But hopefully, over these next couple of weeks, they open up the playbook for him a little bit more, and let's see some more of that athleticism that everyone is really uh, intrigued by. And I think that especially, again, in another position where your starter has – injury history with Irv Smith and who, you know, they say that he's going to be back for week one, but having missed all of camp, can you really rely on him to be ready for the Packers um, week one after having that thumb surgery? Uh, so you need, you need some kind of playmaking from that position. And it's, you just hear his name come up over and over again from O'Connell, from Wes Phillips, from the offensive staff about guys who are capable of really stepping up there and making big plays and, and, and doing more than just getting by in this offense. And so um, I hope that we get to see a little bit more of him and a little bit more variation in what he is asked to do in the pass catching standpoint, because um, you know, you I, I've just heard so much about it and I want to just see it on the field now.
0: Let's get a final thought from John on what we saw this weekend. Obviously you'll be covering the upcoming game against San Francisco this weekend. I'm hoping, I hope Mon makes things interesting. There's nothing better than getting to watch quarterbacks develop. Uh, for today, thanks to Brandon Morton, our producer. Thanks to John. Thank you for listening to talknorth.com. Again, thanks to our sponsors. And if you'd like to advertise with this show or any show all across our large network, you can reach Karen Clary at KCLEARY at talknorth.com. All right, John, final thought for the day.
1: Yeah, we talked a lot of offense today. Just wrapping up on defense um, a little bit, uh, I I thought that they looked pretty good at at times in terms of generating pressure on the quarterback, even without any of their really big pass rushers in that group. So I thought that was encouraging. I think some of their um, defensive backs and maybe linebackers in coverage looked a step slow and a step behind some of the Raiders receivers. But one guy that I was really kind of taken with was T.Y. McGill, uh, the defensive lineman, number 76. He had a couple of sacks, and he just seemed to be disruptive and regularly showing up in the play. And I think he's played for eight teams in eight years, so he's been all over the place. He's 29 years old. Um, But in terms of using the stage that you're given to try and make an impression – and try and force your way onto a roster, either here or elsewhere. I thought McGill was really effective in in being in in getting noticed in that first game, and so we'll see if he can follow that up. But he's a big dude, two hundred ninety five pounds, um, but he moves pretty well. He was chasing down the quarterbacks. He was um, he was getting in the gaps. I thought that that was a a good performance from him as an under the radar guy that I really honestly didn't know a whole lot about. Going into the game, I'm obviously looking at their starting group and looking at Harrison Phillips and Dalvin Tomlinson and all these other guys, but here comes this T.Y. McGill just kind of being super disruptive, and and that's what these guys who are not locks to make the roster have to do. So good on him for, uh, for a nice showing in, in week one.
0: My final thought is also on the defensive side. Andrew Booth Jr. made some mistakes. I, I nothing. It never bothers me to see a young defensive back make mistakes of aggression early in their first camp or early in their career. It, it's going to happen. Uh, the, the rules are tougher. Uh, things are called harder in the NFL. You're dealing with bigger, more physical receivers than you dealt with in college. I, I think it's a natural part of your evolution to make mistakes and have to correct them. So I, I like the way Booth moves. I like the way he's played in camp. Uh, and I'm not bothered by the penalties he got yesterday.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. I mean, he has great size, uh, you know, um, and I do think that it just takes time to acclimate to the way the game is called in the NFL. You can get away with so much more in college, and we've seen a million defensive backs really struggle with that earlier on in their careers. I mean, I know Xavier Rhodes was hit and miss here, but you remember him early, and just like how Mike Zimmer had to put basically like boxing gloves on him to get him to stop clutching and grabbing um, in practice. And eventually he became a very effective cornerback um, for a while there before kind of towards the end, it didn't work out as well. But yeah, there, I think that you you see that early is there the, the defense is uh, the defensive backs are always behind the receivers early on in preseason and training camp and even early on in the regular season of trying to get used to what they can get away with and what they can't and also getting the benefit of the whistle I mean it's a little bit like the NBA where if you have a reputation officials might let you get away with a little bit more and Booth just just does not have that yet so no reason to panic at all that's just part of growing up in this league and uh, he'll be fine eventually I believe.
0: Made it through a whole show without any snark. We'll see if we can do it again next week. Uh, Thanks to John, thanks to Brandon, and thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. Also check out the John Krasinski show that will be out later this week on the very interesting Minnesota Timberwolves.